Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Well, uh, welcome. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, uh, my name is Tony, and uh, my wife and I are the lead pastors here. And like you just heard, um, those were our pastor emeritus. Uh, let's take just a moment right now before we jump into today's message and, and pray for Ralph and Susie. Father, right now, we thank you for um, the legacy that they have left in this house and the building blocks, God, and the foundation that, have been, that has been laid, uh, even, Lord, as we get to stand on their shoulders in this new season of life. We ask, God, now that as a church, we come together, Lord, in faith, believing that you're going to touch their bodies, that you, Father, are going to take care of all the things. Just heard from Ralph even just uh, last night that the surgery went well uh, in his neck. But, Father, we now ask for a speedy recovery, a full recovery, oh God. We ask, Jesus, that you would touch their bodies. You would provide for their every need emotionally, spiritually, God, uh, and, and, Father, physically. We pray, Spirit of God, that you would continue to visit them. And Lord, that they would know that they are loved, that they are honored, Father. And most importantly, God, that you have your eye on them, Lord. You care about all the details of our lives, Father, and you are involved in all of them. So we ask, God, that more than ever, Ralph and Susie would know that you are near, God, and that you are not far. You are near to them, God. We bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, if you've been tracking with us for a while, you know that we've been uh, preaching on our mission and our vision. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the five values that we are really focusing on as a church. Uh, today, we're going to talk about your very favorite value, and that is what's in your wallet. Come on, church. We're going to be talking tonight about today as, as, uh, about the fact that we are called to be uncommonly generous. We've talked about how, as, as a church, God has called us to be faithful to his word. He's called us to be those people that are presence-driven, that hunger for his presence. Last week, we talked about being radically hospitable, and so today, we're going to talk about this idea of being uncommonly generous. And if you're visiting us for the first time, no, this is not a message about me taking up an offering because God's after your wallet. This message today is a message that God is after your heart. And he's after the heart of all people. And the book of Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21, says it this way. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation today. I know we usually read ESV, but today I want to point out a couple verbiage here, a couple things in the verbiage in the New Living. And it says this, then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. This is Jesus speaking. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, oh, I know. I'll tear down my barns so that I can build bigger ones. Then I'll have more room and enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. Goes on to say, and I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you've made enough. You, you have enough stored away for the years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Oh my gosh. Then who will get everything you worked for? 
Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Father, I thank you for your beautiful word, and I thank you for your beautiful church. I pray, God, now that as we turn our attention to your word, Father, that there would not just be gratitude in our hearts for the fact that your word guides us, directs us, and lights our path. But, Father, I pray that in us there would be a willingness to approach your word even in a new way. God, help us to never approach your word like we've already arrived. But help us, God, to to come, Lord, with humble hearts and moldable character to be able to say, Lord, you speak to us. Father, no matter where we're at on our journey of faith today, whether today's our first time in church or maybe it's the first time in a long time or maybe we've been coming for a long time and we, we, we're kind of plateaued or maybe we're on fire for you or perhaps we're just kind of beginning our journey. I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would meet each and every one of us right where we're at on that journey of faith and that you would speak to us. If there's healing that needs to be done, heal areas in our hearts, God. If there's action we need to take, Father, help us and empower us to take that action. But most importantly, Father, I pray that you would reveal the heart of your son to us. We know for for when we see Jesus, our lives are never the same. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you all know that Chick-fil-A is more than God's chicken? It is just good food. Come on. Like, listen, listen, can I just tell you something? They're not paying me to say this, but you got to do yourself a favor. You got to go to Chick-fil-A some more more often in your life. I'll tell you what, Chick-fil-A is so good. And some of you are looking at me like, Pastor, you still look so great. Yeah, I know, guys. This is this right here, right here. This I get for eating Chick-fil-A about two, th- two to three times a week. Anyway, I didn't just say that. Um, last time we were at Chick-fil-A, though, uh, we were d- going through the drive-thru, and our family usually does this. Uh, if you don't know us, we've got five kids. So a uh, big family. We've got to feed, you know, seven mouths. Uh, and uh, what we usually do is we get two orders of the 30-piece chicken nuggets. Come on, somebody. Right? And then we usually all split two large fries. But how many of you, you know, when you were a kid, you don't eat the chicken nuggets, you eat the fries. And you're not in it for just the fries, you're in it for the sauce. Come on. I mean, the sauce is what makes Chick-fil-A good. Come on. You know, and so uh, I remember uh, just last week, we ordered some Chick-fil-A and we're sitting around the table. I'm trying to, you know, kind of parcel it out and be fair to all the kids. And, and, and I'm parceling out according to their portion, if you will. And um, I won't mention the name of the kid, but there's a kid that was eating all the fries. Um, he, he, he's not seated in the front row right now. And, um, and he was eating all the fries first. And, uh, and I'm like, hey, hey, Benny, uh, can, can I get some fries? And he's like, no, these are mine. And, then, and I go, uh, I'm sorry, who paid for these fries? Any parents out there? Any parents out there? Your kid doesn't want to share their food with you. And you're like, uh, excuse me? Do you know who paid for this meal? Right? And so I'm like, excuse me? You know, you know who paid for this meal? Uh, and uh, eventually he gave in and gave me some fries. What does that have to do with today's message on generosity? Well, you see, I think in order for us to get generosity right, we must first understand God's priority. And the reality is God owns everything. Everything is his. Everything in the earth was made for him, by him, and through him. And when we talk about money, when we talk about generosity, we've got to first understand that the alignment of God is that it begins, it starts, and ends with him. And so much like 
my children at Chick-fil-A or your children at whatever restaurant of your choosing might have this, this, um, this natural thing in them that says, no, that's mine. We must recognize that we can't relate with our money and our resources and our time and our treasures and our talents in that same way because it is given by God. And, and when we talk about this idea of time, when we talk about this idea of our treasures, the reality is you all have time, we all have treasures, and we all have talents. We're not talking about something that is for ours to keep. But we're talking about simply giving back to God what is already his and something we've simply been called to steward. Psalm 24, as I mentioned before, says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And I believe that God in this season more than ever is calling each and every one of us to from going from simply being bystanders in the kingdom of God where we kind of sit back, we kind of come to church and check it out. We sing a couple songs, we listen to a message and God's calling us from being simply bystanders to partners with him. And like I mentioned today, maybe you're new today and uh, I'm not here to pressure you today. I hope that the Spirit of God will inspire you and will meet you where you're at. And maybe you can get a glimpse as to how to get plugged into a local church. And, uh, And if you call Legacy Church your home, I believe today and I hope today will be one of those days where you're not just challenged, but where you're empowered to live this out. And why, why do we value being uncommonly generous? And quite frankly, why is it uncommon to be generous? Well, I don't know about you, and I don't know if you've noticed, but our culture in which we live in today, outside of these four walls, is a culture that is all about you, and you do you, and you get yours. Right? Have you noticed that you are inundated, whether it's through commercials, social media, or simply conversations, that the idea of what you have is all about you, it's for you, and it's for yours. And God's calling us out of of a common selfishness, because how many of you know that although common sense has gone, common selfishness hasn't gone with it. And he's calling us to move into an uncommon way of living. Rather than a selfishness, rather than a hoarding, rather than a storing up treasures where moth and rust destroy, according to Matthew 6, Jesus teaches us to be generous. Now, I want to warn you today that as you listen to today's message and as you engage with God's word, would you be careful to not argue away why generosity is just not for you? And if we're called to be a people, as we talked about last week, to be radically hospitable in that same vein, there is an uncommon generosity that God is calling us to. And like I said earlier, this message isn't about just your money. It's about your heart. God's after your heart. Did you, did you know that um, the word love, how many of you know that love is important and to a, a Christian, that's kind of like the foundation, right? God first loved us, therefore we love him. How many of you know love is an important topic in the Christian world? Anybody? Come on. Right, that's mentioned 714 times in the Bible. How many of you would say that faith and believing is an important topic? That's mentioned 272 times in the Bible, right? If somebody talks to you about something 272 times, it's of high importance, right? You're going to listen. Somebody talks to you about love, you're going to listen 714 times. Do you know prayer is mentioned 371 times? 
You know what's mentioned 2,150 times? Giving, money, and generosity. So here's how we define generous. A generous person is a person that is showing a readiness to give more of something that is strictly necessary or expected. A person showing a readiness to give more of something that is strictly, more than what is strictly necessary or expected. So today I want to give you three quick things about this idea of uncommon generosity. Number one, my first point today is this, is uh, say it with me, it's not mine. You can, you, you can go a little old school charismatic here and you can even turn to your neighbor and say, it ain't yours. <laughs> Come on, give it, give it to them with a little bit of that southern twang. You got it, it's okay. Some of you are like, is it allowed to smile and laugh in church? It is, absolutely, it is, absolutely. It's not mine. Check this out, Luke 12, 17 through 19. I, I, I wanna point out a couple things here in the scripture. He said to himself, this is a man who was going to tear down barns to build more so that he, he could store more. What should I do? I don't have room for all. Look at the verbiage here. My crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years. So now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. You've heard this before. I've said this before, but what is going to happen when you put a three-year-old into a room with another three-year-old, you leave a really nice toy in the center of the room, and then you leave an Amazon empty box on the other side of the room, and you walk away. When you come back five minutes later, what are they going to be doing? They're going to be fighting over what? The box. And what's the word that's going to be coming out of their mouth as they're playing tug of war? Mine! Mine! And you've heard this said before, and I, I want to I gently say this to you, but I hope that the Spirit of God also brings some conviction. That may be a cute story when we're young. Some of us grow up to be adults, and we never remove this verbiage from my mouth, mine, and it ain't cute. It's no longer cute. To believe that what we have and what, what has been entrusted to us is mine. And can you see the selfishness in the man here? As he, as he begins to get more and more resources, his mind immediately goes to, how will this benefit me? Yes. And radical generosity says, what I have been given, what am I, how am I called to steward it so that others can benefit from it? You know, Ralph and Susie mentioned in the video, you know, our efforts to reach out to the community. There's a practicality to that. Can I just say that? Yes. That there's a practicality to the people of God coming together and not just offering of their time and their talents, which is important, but, but in order to love a community and give to a community, there's gotta be a pot that we pull from. And if we're called to love our neighbors, if we're called to love our community, if we're called to not just, not just fill this building with, you know, one service now and the second service at 11 o'clock and eventually when we outgrow that, a third service. No, we're not just called to that. We are called to show our community, the world outside of these four walls, what generosity looks like. And can I tell you, practically speaking, they won't see it unless we actually do it. 
And the problem here with greed is that greed tells you that everything you have is yours. And if you look at this man's perspective, he had a skewed understanding of ownership. He understood that the concept was what he had, even though it was God-given, it was supposed to be for his pleasure and for his benefit. Well, the upside-down kingdom we live in, the upside-down kingdom of God says what you have, you are blessed to be a blessing. Scripture is filled with the truth that God not only owns everything, but we are called to steward it and manage it well. I'm going to make another statement that I said before, but I just want to say it again, especially for those of you that are making no, uh, writing notes. And I hope that this statement is also healing to some of you that perhaps have been manipulated in the past by churches, by pastors, by leadership to, to, to just give and to, to, to do things. And then you've seen it not stewarded well or abused. I want to make it clear today. I am not after your wallet today. Because in fact, God already owns your wallet. What God is after today is our hearts. And he's calling us to a season where we trust more than we've ever trusted before. Where we release control more than we've ever controlled. And quite frankly, much like most everything that God invites us into, it begins with relationships. It's so interesting when we talked about even uh, our first value of faithful to the word. Remember what I said. We're not just being called to a practice or a discipline that you must do. It's an invitation into the heart of God. And every invitation from God, it begins with an invitation of relating with him. If you don't believe me, the 21st verse of the, uh, the book of Luke chapter 12 that we just read says it this way. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a what? Rich relationship with God. His desire for us is to relate richly with him. And from that, church. From that, we begin to have a heart that is generous. We begin to understand his generosity. We begin to understand his ways, his purpose, and that begins to flow out of our lives. So this means there's an invitation to trusting, to relating, to walking with. And and again, let me just tell you right now, those of you that perhaps have not yet taken steps to trust God in the area of your finances, God is willing to journey with you. And the beautiful thing about how God journeys with us is that he does so lovingly, caringly, patiently, mercifully, and he wants the best for you. And let me just tell you one, one thing, and, and I know maybe you've heard this in church world before, and perhaps it's been a statement that maybe has been abused at some point in, 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 in the church world, but let me just tell you in my heart of hearts, I just want to let you know God actually has good plans for you. Like, I don't know, I don't know if you, that, that reality has ever sank into you, maybe because you're like, well, people quote Jeremiah 29 all the time, and, and if they knew the context, and blah, 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 blah. God's heart for you is good. Yes. He, he has good intentions for you. He wants the best for you. This is a God that's never, hear me, is never going to leave you hanging. Number two today, generosity kills greed. All right, this is where I'm going to get all up in your business. You ready for this? No matter how spiritual you think you are, greed is in you out of the pure humanity of the fact that 
we were born into sinful nature. Like, I don't mean to offend you. I love you. And because I love you, I'm also hopefully telling you the truth in love. But the reality is we've got to first understand that in all of our nature, there is greed. And we are, unless we are submitted to the authority of God and his word and his ways, I'm telling you, this is why Jesus talks about money and generosity over 2,000 times. Why? Because if we're not submitted to his ways, our hearts are a breeding ground for greed. And here's the problem with greed is that greed lies to us and tells us that money is power and therefore it becomes a God. And so this, you may not come out and say money is your God. You may not come out and say, well, no, I read the scripture that talks about how you can only serve one, uh, one master, not two. You're either going to let one down or, you know, worship the other one. So you can't love God and love money at the same time. That's not me, Tony. You may not come out and say it, but this is how we worship God over worshiping. I mean, worshiping money over worshiping God. For example, we buy into the lie that says I am just one purchase away from happiness. All right, maybe for some of you, you're like, oh, I'm way too mature to believe that. Okay. Let me give you another example. I'm just one vacation away from satisfaction. All right, now I hit a few more, okay? I'm just one raise away from being generous, Tony. Just wait. Just wait. I just need, I'm one raise away from getting there. I'm just one relationship away from being at ease and being at peace. Right, I, 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 just, I just need a bigger house. So you get the bigger house and you somehow outgrow it because all you do is fill it, right? Come on, we're in America, so we have storage units and few other countries in the world have them. <laughs> well, but where's my boat gonna go and where's the, and I get, I'm not telling you God doesn't want you to live an abundant life. But those things are not to replace the sufficiency that can only f- be found in a God that is not an idol of stone. And here's the truth, is the truth is enough is just never enough. Which is why we're called to be faithful in the small things so that we can be graduated into the bigger things. And you know, I want to tell you one thing real quick. I told you I'd get up in your business, so let me go ahead and do it. You know, I hear a lot of people say things like this. Well, Tony, if only I could just make a little more. If only I could just do this. If only, can I tell you what you do now with your money? You're just going to do some more when you have more. Yes, that's true. So like, and this is a reality. Like, oh, I'm just a hundred grand a year away from, no, no, you're just going to do that with a hundred grand, what you've been doing with 50 grand. Uh So God says in his word, Luke 16, uh, 10 through 11, I'm gonna just read it to you and then I'll break it down. If you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large things. In other words, what you put into practice now with what you've got is going to translate into the next thing. Yes, that's right. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Oof. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly health, look at this, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? See how this is beginning to tie into our hearts? Some of you are going, why, why, why is it that I just feel stuck in my spiritual walk? Why is it that like, I'm just kind of like, 
just here and like, seems like God's not giving me much more and like, I'm kind of just like here. I'm not making a generalized statement here, but I would venture to say, have, have you checked in on how you handle earthly wealth before you ask him to entrust you with heavenly wealth? Okay, I'm just gonna leave it at that and let it simmer a little bit, okay? So in other words, how can he trust us with spiritual things if we haven't first been faithful, trustworthy, and honest with the things that he's already given to us? Generosity kills greed by turning our inward attention to outward attention. You know what's so beautiful is Legacy Church, when, like, for example, even today at five o'clock, we're having our annual finance report meeting for anybody who's a member of Legacy Church. And here's why I love that we do that, because there is complete transparency as to where your tithes and offerings go. It's like, hey, here's, here's how it breaks down to, you know, pastoral ministry. Here's what, how it goes out to the missions. Here's how it goes out to outreaches. Here's how, here's the bills we pay, right? Because there's practicality to lights on and a building and all that, right? Like, and, but, but beyond, hear me, church, don't get caught up in like the nitty gritty. Beyond the nitty gritty of the numbers, there is something beautiful when we say, when I bring to the house of God, my tithes and my offering, and I give of it freely without having any remorse in my heart. I know and I can trust that God has the ability to give wisdom and, and strategy to a people to be able to go and impact the world. This is why when, when we say around here, when you give to legacy, you're actually giving through legacy because even our heart is to continue to create an environment where, and I'm just speaking very just openly with you. Is that okay? Like, I'm just, like where your money actually matters. Because <laughs> like, I get it. And, and I just used the, word, worse, uh, the, the wrong word here. I, I called it your money. Well, God's money that's entrusted to you. Where it actually matters and you know, because why church? We are called to be a people that are outward focused and not just inward focused. Scripture is filled with promises for those that not only choose to be generous, but choose to live a life for the sake of others. And I get it. If you've been around Legacy Church for a while, you know, and, and quite frankly, I want to warn you a little bit here and, and, and preemptively tell you, don't, don't fall into this lie. Because if you know me, you're kind of passing what I'm saying through the filter of, well, that's just kind of Tony's thing. Tony loves outreach. Tony's evangelistic. Tony's too outward focused. No, no, no. God is. This isn't a Tony thing. Like last time I checked, God left his royalty and his comfort to seek and save the lost. And last time I checked, Jesus said, I didn't come for those that don't think they need a doctor. I came for those who are sick and know they need a doctor. And when he left, he told us, his disciples, yo, you think you've seen some great things come out of me? You ain't seen nothing yet. Wait till you see what you do when I send the spirit of God to empower you to do even greater things. So, so no, th this is not just a, a money talk. This is not just a, a tithing talk. This is not just a, uh, a coercion talk or a manipulation talk. This is a, a conversation and an invitation to begin to really grasp that the heart of God and at his heart are people. And we are not called to only look inward. We are called to look outward. Oh, man. 
Now, God calls us, and in order for generosity to kill greed, we've got to understand that our wealth, what we've been trusted with, is a tool to bless other people. It is a tool for us to not just live a generous life, but in doing so, let me tell you, church, you will be greatly rewarded. This right here in the moment of the sermon is where some of you begin to kind of shrink back. Wait, whoa, hold on. So like, are you gonna, are you gonna say that? Like, if you give 10, God will give you 1,000. If you send in your money now and you buy this handkerchief and you wave it over your bank account on your computer, something, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I am saying is that when we choose to live in a way that God has ordained us to live, there is great reward. This is exactly why Jesus himself said that it is greater to give than to receive. Let me give you a really quick, very maybe comical example. When was the last time you helped an old lady cross the road and you felt bad about yourself? No, you feel like a peacock, right? Your chest gets a little bigger. You start strutting a little, like, I just helped an old lady across the street. Maybe not all y'all got, have the attitude that I've got. So, you know, some of you are a little more timid and don't, you know, but it's okay to just like, you know, crib walk a little bit here and there. Anyway, strut your stuff, right? But no, what I'm getting at is this, is that when we choose to give, there's this beautiful thing in the book of Proverbs that promises us that when we refresh others, we ourselves are refreshed. And that is how greed is killed inside of us. And so you have a choice to make, and I have a question for you. Will you choose to use money either as a tool in the hands of a generous person, or is it a God in the heart of the greedy? Will you let money be a tool in the hands of a generous person, or will you allow it to become a God in the heart of the greedy? Generosity kills greed. Number three, we're flying through this today. You guys are doing great. You're helping me preach on a money conversation. Come on. Number three, and probably one of the most important points of all, because he gave, we give. You know, what's interesting is a lot can be argued, and some of you are probably going, when are you going to talk about tithing? When are you going to talk about offerings? When I, I don't, uh, this isn't a series on that. This is a, just a quick touch base on that, but I, I will give you a snippet here towards the end. But I want to give you something real quick. A lot can be argued about nowadays about the tithe and this and that, and, uh, and I'm going to break it down. But I want to boil it down to a simplicity of our hearts. You love God because he first loved you. And if you get that backwards, everything else will flow out of your life backwards. If you and I don't first understand that, no, we didn't seek God. He sought after us. We're getting the gospel backwards. And from that, things will flow out of order in our lives. So when we understand that he first loved us and as a response, we love him, we begin to understand that because he's a giving God and in his and if his nature is being put into our lives, we become generous people because he gave we give. 
I know you've probably read this scripture before. You've probably seen it on billboards. Uh, there's WWE wrestlers that have it on their, you know, thing. You know, I won't say where. I pointed to it. Um, and, and beyond that, um, uh, here's, here's the important scripture I want to bring to you. John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world. He sat back and waited for them to earn it. He sat back and said, I'm chilling in my mansion. I'm the king of kings, lord of lords. I'm good. I'm not going to go even mess with that. That's messy. No, no. This is how he loved the world. He gave out of what he had. He gave out of what... Man, and I'm telling you, if that doesn't cause you in your heart to say what Sophia just said, thank you, Lord, then you got the gospel backwards. If that doesn't cause a gratitude in our hearts to understand that when we were undeserving, God sends his son out of his great love for us, I'm telling you, so that through a man's death, you and I would have eternal life. That's, this is good news. And I know that maybe your ears have maybe grown a little callous to hearing it because, like I said, it's on a WWE wrestler's uh, tights, you know, or it's on a billboard. But do not lose the power that there is in understanding that he so greatly loved you that he gave what he had, his best, so that he would die and you would live. Come on. And we love this scripture. We, we love, you know, we see it on athletes, billboards, social media. But, but here's, here's what I want to get at is that if we're going to be imitators of God, don't you think that would make us givers as well? So I want to invite you today to imitate God in his way of living. Imitate God in his invitation to living a generous life. What are ways that you can contribute? See, I believe I, I kind of like breaking it out into three different things. Talked about them. I think every one of us has time. Some of us need to learn how to manage our time with the idea that our time is not just for us first. Oh man, that's a whole nother sermon in itself. But no one can say, I don't have time. Guess what? We all have 24 hours in a day. How we steward that time will dictate how well we can use that time to serve and be generous to others. So you know the people that you admire the most that are like always serving people, always generous with their time, always making themselves available? Did you know they have the same amount of time in a day that you do? It's, it's, it's the truth. Yet they have managed and stewarded what God has given to them in such a way that allows them, hear me church, allows them to be available. You're all talented in some way. Some of you are like, me? Yes, absolutely. You're an image bearer of God. And I, and I hope you get, if you get anything out of today, I hope you get this. You walk away understanding that God has put something special in each and every single one of you. Amen. And that you do, in fact, have something to offer. That you do, in fact, do not sell God's creation short by saying, no, that's just for talented people. You're talented as well. Now, I want to encourage you to find what that is. What is it that, that gets your heartbeat skipping 100 beats per minute faster than arresting 60 beats per minute heart rate? And if you're not at 60, I would encourage you to go on a run every once in a while and get that heart rate down, okay? <laughs> and then there's our treasures, right? And here's, here's the thing. We contribute with a good attitude, with a glad and generous heart, praising God, so 
as far as application goes, Tony, where do, where do I go from here? I, I, you know, I, hopefully you've understood the concept that, that we're not just called to generosity, but that generosity begins when it gets a hold of your heart. It begins to transform certain things in you. It begins to allow you to understand that things are not just yours, but they're to be shared. They're to be, you're blessed to be a blessing. You'll begin to understand that God owns all things and you're called to steward biblically the things that he's called us to. Uh, It begins to transform even your way of approaching what is innately in you, which is this idea of greed. And you know that you can kill it with generosity. So Tony, I get all that. What do I do? And here's what I want to encourage you with right now, just as far as application goes. Start somewhere. Start somewhere. And yes, let me just tell you that a good starting point, and we will, by the way, if you're new and visiting, love you guys. Absolutely. I'm sure there's great churches, and I know there's greater, amazing churches in the valley. Um, And I don't ever want you to feel bait and switch. So I'm just going to say it to you right off the bat. I'm never not going to preach on generosity and biblical tithing. So if, so if you don't like that, we'd love for you to journey with us um, or I just don't ever want you to feel bait and switched, okay? Is that okay to say? I don't know. The elders are in the room. They'll correct me later if I'm, if I'm off. But you know where a good starting point is? You know what the Bible says is a good starting point? Is a tithe. Tithe is 10%, the first 10%. Here's, here's what I wanna say. Ooh, man, and I really hope I get up in somebody's grill today. A lot of informed people have tried to argue away, well, that's, that's the law. That's Malachi 3.10, and that's the law. Well, let me just tell you this. The tithe has predated the law. We see Abraham tithing to, um, help me out, Sophia, the name. Melchizedek, thank you. We see Abraham tithing to what is a typology of a Christ, essentially, before the law. We see Jacob tithing before the law. Then we see tithing is put into the law. And then we see Jesus himself approach the teachers of the law at the time, now New Testament, and go, hey, you guys are tithing, but you're forgetting to love people. And he says, he doesn't say, keep just loving people and just only focus on people and the needs of people. He says, you should have done that without neglecting the other. So Jesus himself establishes this idea of the tithe is a thing. So, I, I, and again, I'm not here to twist your arm. I just hope that you begin to view your, your finances through the lens of the Bible yeah. and not the lens of culture that has maybe coerced you into giving or maybe has offended you and now you don't or now you think, dare, and please, Lord, give me wisdom right now in Jesus' name. Or how dare you fall into the trap, or less you dare fall into the trap that you are called to steward your own tithe. Well, I, I, I saved my 10% and I kind of, when needs pop up, when we see Paul instruct the early church, where we see the early church fathers, which by the way, that never agreed on rarely anything, agreeing that the tithe is to be brought to the house of God. We see that in the 6th century, even at one of the councils, it is decreed, established that it is the church, the local church that we tithe to. Okay. Just going to go like this and just let you simmer on that. So if you're a Christian here today, here's what I want to encourage you with. Start tithing to the house that feeds you and grows you. If you're already doing that, I would encourage you to look for specific intentional ways to get get more generous. 
to go, are there people in my small group that have a need? And I'm not just talking about money, you guys. I'm not just talking about, oh, somebody in my small group has this need and they need furniture, I'm gonna write them a check. No, what would it look like for you to go, oh, you know what, I'm gonna help you out. I've got a truck, let's go, let's go thrifting one day and let's go find a couch, yeah. right? I got time, I, I, can, I can make two hours work on a Saturday. Oh, uh, you know what, we don't have a truck, let's go to U-Haul together and we'll rent one for the day for $19.99 plus taxes. By, by the way, you guys, they should totally, uh, you know, sponsor me because I'm totally, you know, between Chick-fil-A and U-Haul, now, I know once you guys all start posting on your social media that you're going to you all and Chick-fil-A, it's going to do my heart some good because it means you're listening to my sermon. <laughs> but in addition to this, we, we look to, to, op, to have opportunities to offer alms, to look for the poor and the needy, to, to then from there, from, from this idea then grows into what are missionaries doing, what are organizations doing. Then, you know, you begin to give of your time and, and create margin, like I said earlier. Begin to create margin in your life so that time is an option. I so want to preach this, but I'm out of time. But I just want to say this. I will so encourage you to not fall into the trap of busyness and glorifying busyness. We live in a culture where, man, you go, how are you doing? Busy, 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 right? And you've heard me say this before. And if we're really spiritual, we're like, busy but blessed, busy but blessed. <laughs> Too blessed to be stressed, Right? And I just want to encourage you to, to create margin in your day-to-day so that there is time for when the needs of the saints and the needs of the orphans and the needs of the widows and the needs of the widower and the needs of your neighborhood and the needs of organizations pop up and you go, you know what? I've got time for this. Begin to develop the talents that God has put into you. You know what? I want to encourage some of you, young, old, in between, I don't care. Some of you for too long have just been okay with, I don't really know what I have to offer. And you've sat in that for years. I want to encourage you in the beautiful era of, of, of science and, and the beautiful era of, of understanding our brains and how they're like, this is all God, how God intricately molded us and made us. I would encourage you, look for ways. There's, there's tests out there. There's personality tests after personality tests out there that's going to not pigeonhole you, but at least help you understand how you're made and get after it. Be like, and, and here's, here's what I say to some people, especially in the church world. If you see something that bothers you here on a Sunday morning, it's likely that you're gifted to help us fix it. But you know what you're not gifted with? <clears throat> Being critical about it and judgmental about it and then not helping us contribute in any way to make it better. Oh, the pastor preached on hospitality last week, but no one's offered me hospitality. You offer yourself being hospitable. Bible says you want a friend? Show yourself a friend. I know I'm probably scaring some visitors away today. It's okay. Well, the pastor said this and this and this and that. Well, stop looking for somebody else to do it. If it bothers you enough, it means you're, you're gifted to help us. So lean in. Love you. So if you can come on up, but here's, here's where I want to wrap up. And I want to go back to this scripture here in John three sixteen. By the way, I, I hope you're getting something out of today. Have you been getting something out of this? Okay. Um, you might be here today and you might be saying, Hey, Tony, uh, I get what you're saying. And, and quite frankly, maybe it almost sounds like you're just talking to like believers or Christians or this thing. But honestly, I haven't even taken that first step. 
and you're here today and you're saying, I would love to take the first step of accepting this free gift of eternal life that John 3.16 talks about. I want to read this to you. This is the gospel of Jesus. This is a good news for your heart and your soul today. For this is how God loved you. Put your name on there. That he would give his one and only son so that you, put your name in there, that believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You're here today and you say, I want to have eternal life. Maybe you've decided to follow Jesus at some point in your life and maybe you've walked away. Or maybe today's a day where you want to come back to that. Or maybe today's a day that you're going, I want to officially begin that journey. And you're saying, I want to accept this free gift of eternal life. I want to begin to understand. By the way, that decision does not mean you're going to get everything right away. It means you start a journey to begin to understand the mysteries of this God that would love you even in your worst state. Yes. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here in the room today and you're saying, I would like to receive Jesus, I would like to receive this free gift that he offers me, would you simply close your eyes right now? And if that's you today, you're saying, I want to come back to Jesus or I want to give my life to Jesus, would you simply slip your hand up in the air and I would love to be able to pray for you right now. I see that hand in the back. Thank you, Jesus. That's beautiful. Thank you for that bravery. Come on, anybody else here today, you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to accept his generous love in my life. I want to learn how to be a generous person, but it begins with me accepting his generosity. And I want to take that first step. Is there anybody else before I pray for this person? Right now, everybody together, we're going to pray this together. We're going to to help this sister uh, uh, pray this together. We're going to say, Jesus. Jesus. Come on, say this out loud. Jesus, Jesus. I recognize that I can't go out life alone. I recognize that I will fail. I'll make mistakes. But I'm grateful that you'll forgive me. And you have forgiven me for all of my transgressions. This morning, I accept your free gift of eternal life. Help me from this day forward to walk with you and never look back again. I accept you as my Lord. I accept you as my Savior. And from this day forward, teach me to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you were that person that raised your hand, I want to encourage you at some point here, you can feel free to leave your seat, head over to the prayer corner. We have people that are willing to walk you through your next steps. They're not going to embarrass you. They're not going to do anything crazy. They're just going to talk to you and help you uh, get plugged in and figure out how we can serve you in this next steps. Or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but that was a prayer that you prayed for the first time. I encourage you, you can head on out uh, over to the prayer corner. For the rest of you, would you stand to your feet? And would you simply allow me to pray for you? God, my prayer... And a message like this is that more than anything, you would reveal to us your heart of generosity. Lord, as we're building a culture, even in this local church, God, in a new season that we're in, Lord, we want to be obedient to your ways. We want to be obedient to the invitation that you've given to us to be not just a people that are inward focused and a people that only care about what we have or what we're going through. But God, that we would be the kind of people that trust you for the things that are happening in our lives while also knowing that there's so much that we can give to others. 
Father, I pray for those people in the room that maybe today their step is to begin somewhere, even in trusting you in the area of finances and to go, I'm not going to wait until I can quote unquote afford to, to obey the word, but Lord, I'm going to take a step. I pray that you would honor that step. Father, I pray for those that maybe have been faithful to that and now are looking for specific ways. I pray even this week you would open up opportunities in their neighborhoods, in their communities, in their job places, God, for generosity to flow out of them, Lord. God, sometimes generosity looks like our words. It looks like our time. It looks like what we, our wisdom that we can give people. Sometimes it's helping somebody. I pray, Lord, that you would open up our eyes and open up our ears to see those opportunities. But ultimately, Father, my prayer is that you would make us a people that are uncommonly generous. In everything we do, God, may our generosity come through, Lord, as a response to the first person that ever gave, and that was you, Lord. You gave us life. You gave us your son. You gave us this universe in which we live in. And because of that, God, we want to steward it well. And we want to be able to give back even to you what belongs to you. So, Father, I bless every person here. And as they go on their way this week, I pray, Father, that you would continue to speak to them. You would continue to meet each and every one of them right where they're at on their journey of faith, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.